0: This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. to dinner service and the overly embellished dishes finally emerge from the kitchen mike tries to presentate the food real nice what's this crack here with calamari in the martini glass yeah yeah well yeah i know like i can't I i don't really know i don't know you obviously are thinking finally finally he's figured out how to open this show And it's with fire clips from Gordon Ramsay content. And you're right about that. And I'm sorry that it's taken me, what, 200 and something podcast attempts to finally get it right. But we're here now. We made it. And we're both here. I'm here. You're here. Gordon's here. Future Rolls is here. I mean, it's all just coming up real nice. Because we have a Gordon Ramsay soundboard. And that's pretty much, I mean... I'm not sure either of us really know what I'm going for here other than a virtual, no, not virtual, it's real, not real, internet, real, god, too early in the the proceedings to be diving down a rabbit hole that fast, Roland, no, it's a very real audio diary for yourself in the future, and if it makes other people feel better about, I don't know, their own version of crazy, well, hey, what a lovely side effect. Anyway, obviously we'll get to the Gordon Ramsay stuff. We're gonna to get to the fact that that is probably that's actually probably isn't that just the loveliest noise? That's probably the most important thing you'll hear today, guys. Is that 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 small grab of Gord, actually? I don't know. I'm discounting obviously the science that I'll get in, that I'll get into, and that's gonna be really important too. Um, but we are gonna get into Gordon Ramsay because I've it's an infatuation that goes beyond just a vacuum of docu soap material having exhausted what i could stomach of netflix reality shows um it goes beyond that cuz gordon no okay we're going to get to it but we need to get to real nice real nice mike tries to presentate the food real nice oh it's so good um so anyway we like i said we're here we we all made it amazing And it's been a little while because I was in a really good rhythm of doing this every week. And then what happened, Rolls? I got busy. No, that's such a cop-out thing to say. Isn't that just such a thing that everyone always says? I will never forget Nat Isaacs telling me that. I can't remember whether I read it in her book or it was in the podcast that we did. But she was like, we wear the word busy like a badge of honor. And isn't that just so true? Like, don't you know somebody? Haven't you been somebody who's just... oh? You wouldn't believe how busy I am. Just back-to-back. these fucking busier than a fucking old man saying something, something. You know? Like everyone says that. And it's really... It's exactly what I just said it for, which is an excuse for poor communication. Because, I mean, that's, that's when I've been on the receiving end of it. When someone like... I don't know. When someone takes ages to get back to you and then they say, Oh, sorry, I've been busy. And you're just like, cool. Okay. So that's a pretty like direct way of letting me know where I sit in your priorities. And people think that it's like uh, acceptable and there'll be no questions asked busy. Oh, no worries. And to an extent, yeah, we're sympathetic to each other's nonsense, but the reality is, Hey, I've got nonsense too, fella. And, and I, I mean, I wasn't too busy enough to get back to you. So maybe I will be next time. Oh, so disgusting. What a disgusting thing to say, Roland, but isn't that like, I don't know, that's, feels like that's where human nature's kind of driving us, is that sort of attitude to one another. That sucks. Okay, I'm working on it. There has been, by the way, I don't know whether you, (laughs) I don't know whether you listen to this at all. Who are you? (laughs) If you're listening to this, I don't know if you're on the east coast of Australia, but if you are, I hope you like snorkeling, because it's underwater. Well, it's kind of drained now, but holy shit was that was that a ridiculous rain experience i mean i think this is the thing guys i don't know whether i whether stuff happens more often or in like larger scale or whether i'm just paying attention getting better at paying attention to things do you know what i mean by that like Like there's definitely obvious examples where things are changing. Things like the bushfires last summer where it's like, yeah, bushfire has always been a thing, but I wasn't blind to it to the point that that's just an acceptable rate of bushfire in this country. We can't just, that's just not like where we're at naturally. That was an anomaly. But then there's things like, okay, here's a really good example, actually. Things like bad language in the surf. (laughs) because i got called a grandpa by a mate in the surf the other day which i didn't dispute because i'm a thousand years old but i swear the language that grommets are using in the surf is getting worse and language in general but mainly i notice it i guess it's most shocking coming out of the mouth of an 8 year old calling his mate a cunt it's like where did but that like like where i was surfing the last surf i had and let it be known i have not been it's been an immense test of my self-control not to surf over the last seven days since this rain event because the pollution has been so bad. The volume of runoff, the volume of rubbish, goodness knows what's in the water. But if I got sick because of that, having seen a Sydney water sign saying area may be polluted by sewage overflow, and then I got sick, and the reason I got sick was because I went surfing in poo, That's a pretty, like, I'm nice to myself, but not nice enough to forgive myself for something that dumb. So I haven't been surfing, even though the waves have been cranking. But the last surf I did have, I remember when I got called a grandpa, I remember just smiling with a mate, listening to this little pack of howling grommets. <laughs> just it, just the grommet energy in the surf is unbelievable. It's so infectious. I love it. Even though they're kind of a pain because their manners are often terrible and, well, that's pretty much the only reason, but quite a big one in surfing. I really like, for the most part, sitting near grommets and listening to them just like frothing out and revving each other up and whatever. I just like I think it's it's nice, it's positive. And then the other day I was just listening to this kid carrying on about his mate who dropped in on him going, "You're a fucking can't and it's like, dude, you just said three words. One of them was a half a word and you sound like a 40 year old at the pub. And I don't know whether this is me just noticing more of it or having been oblivious to it and hopefully not responsible for it back in my youth. But I don't know, maybe. No, I definitely wasn't. I was so afraid to carry on in the surf because there felt like the very real prospect of getting smacked. And I think, I don't know, obviously no one's actually going to hit a kid, but hey, some people might. (laughs) And in the surf community where often things are resolved in quite primal and physical ways, i.e. assaults. Um, As a kid, I don't know, when you're just sitting out in the water by yourself or with one mate and there's eight crusty, salty tradies, I don't know. I kept my yap shut. I was very polite and very... I was bitch, basically. But I thought that was the pecking order, and I still believe it is. But I guess sometimes if there's enough grommets and there's this full pack mentality... Mob psychology, we're safe in numbers. You fucking can't. You weren't gonna fucking make it. you did. Yes, I fucking was. You're such a fucking cunt. And like listening to these kids carrying on, I couldn't believe it. The language was astonishing. And it made me actually do you know what? <laughs> this thing happened maybe two years ago where a kid was out in the surf and basically snaked me really badly. And if you don't know what sur- snaking is in the surf, it's sitting inside someone, aka standing directly in front of you when you're about to be first in line at the coffee shop and you're cr- you're jonesing. Do you know what I mean? Like, think about how disrespectful that is. If you're desperate for your morning coffee and someone just, no, nah, I'm going to stand here and go first. And that's pretty much what snaking is in the surf. And anyway, it's a, it's a fairly hard to police, hard to like enforce thing. If someone wants to be really rude, there's no surfing police, there's no... I don't know. It's, this is what I really like about surfing is that it just sorts itself out. And so how I sorted it out in this situation was to just drop in on the kid on his next wave, Obviously. And it was all sweet and I just carried on, had a cracking time. He followed me all the way and then just lit me up at the end and just started rinsing me. And and, and my, I was so shocked, guys. And like, I think that's a positive thing because if I look at myself somewhere between my and this boy's age, boy, 12-year-old maybe this kid was, then I might have arced up at anybody yelling at me the way this kid was but in, in my old age I guess I just like I was blown I was speechless the guy with a fucking podcast talking to nobody was speechless <laughs> and I just stood there with my mouth gap just like what is happening right now fully confident in what I had done by the way because that's how you sort that stuff out so I said to this kid nah you snaked me that was really bad manners don't know what you expected And anyway, he's busy calling me a fucking cunt, you're a piece of shit, fucking blah, blah, blah. And and (laughs) do you know what I said? I said to him, and I just pissed myself straight away. I must have looked like a lunatic to this kid, mate, hopefully. Hopefully, this was the disruptive lesson needed for him to have a bit more constraint in the lineup. But anyway, I said to him, you won't get very far in life with that attitude, mate. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) <laughs> I still, And it just still, like, cracks me up Because what a fucking ancient person thing to say You won't get very far in this life with that attitude, mate Back in my day, I used to smack a kid like you <laughs> And anyway, that's just always, like, stayed with me As this hilarious experience But also, representation of this thing And I don't know if there's more bad language from grommets in the surf Or I'm just noticing it more when it comes to things like the rainfall and the reason that the east coast is underwater that that felt like a really anomalous event i don't know about you if you are out there somewhere on the eastern seaboard the level the volume of rain that fell in such a short like i think i saw in the bureau of meteorology it was something like 17.4 meters which was the most in any 24 hour period ever or something Obviously, it wasn't 17.4 meters, but it was so, 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 so much. So much that it has left this residual pollution in the ocean at Manly Beach that I just, it's like persisting far longer than I can ever remember. Usually, it just takes a few tides to sort of stabilize the water quality. And this is just still like lime green. And it's so sus. <laughs> and it's been this immense test of patience not to go surfing. And anyway, it just feels like an anomalous thing such that I actually got someone raised the point the other day that I thought was such a valuable thing to say at this time, which is think about what you read as the impacts of climate change that we all face. Think about that sentence that you've seen so much where it says increased natural disasters and severe weather events. And then it breezes past through to ocean acidification or rising air temperatures or blah, blah, blah. But that one thing, I think there's too many words in it maybe or it just gets repeated verbatim too often that it's almost... I feel like I'm almost desensitized to that. And so what I got reminded of the other day is that this is an amazing example of an extreme weather event that just came out of nowhere and did something kind of unprecedented. This is it. Like, And it's just going to keep happening more and more. But I guess because there's no switch to it. It doesn't just go on or off. It's kind of hard to measure, but that that felt like a real good example of climate change in action. Um, so I guess like to offer some paltry explanation to as to my absence, uh, other than being busy, well, I guess I should describe what being busy is. Um, I sold my fire truck. Wow. Can you believe in this day and age that you can just get on the internet one afternoon, and let your mind run wild, and jump on a few random websites, and then chuck a few random numbers in that match a certain card in your wallet, and then a few days later, a fire truck can just arrive in your driveway, and and you get sent a message saying where the keys are. Off you go. (laughs) That's literally my experience of getting this crazy machine, which I have now successfully offloaded, having modified into... This was like... I don't think I really have acknowledged to myself even the, I guess like, God, that sounds like an obnoxious thing to say. I haven't acknowledged the gravity of my own thing here, but I haven't really acknowledged the significance, I suppose, to myself of the fact that this was an idea that I conceived of so long ago and had so many components to it and and is now over. And like I followed through and stuff and I just... I'm not good enough at setting goals, I don't think, to have that as a well-practiced process for myself. But I'm trying to think back to, like, literally in describing that experience of how I bought the bloody thing. And then everything that I've done with it since, this is is literally the whole point of that whole project, was the following sentence, to build the most environmentally offensive-looking vehicle ever that actually was arguably greener than an electric car. And like as far as a hypothesis or a project plan goes, I'm not a mechanic and it was kind of like it was an audacious task to set for myself. And I don't know, I just feel like so happy with how how that experience pulled together and is now just the shape that it has in my brain. I just feel, I'll tell you why I feel so good about it, actually. It's not just, I'm not trying to just toot my own horn here about the, like that. I I think I'm so happy because the guy I sold it to was like an angel, literally a real life angel, because I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact that this beast that i had built would end up in the hands of some, Kind of bogan, basically. I was like going to shop around for another word there, but that's pretty much what the four-wheel drive market is comprised of. Um, Character assassination of myself there as well. But I kind of accepted that it would just be filled up with diesel for the rest of its life. And that whoever bought it probably wouldn't be, would be maybe skeptical of the veggie oil or just can't be bothered, even though, I mean, it's like, can't be bothered to what? To save yourself heaps of money and not use diesel and X, Y, Z. And anyway, I'd accepted that it would just get filled up with diesel. And then sure enough, the guy who bought it runs a biodiversity business where he does wildlife mitigation and flora and fauna impact for major civil projects. And like like basically a professional environmentalist, not just a punter sitting in a dark room making a secret recording. <laughs> But a real fully fledged dude running this sick operation who was way into the fact that it ran on veggie oil. And it was just like, I couldn't have dreamt of a more perfect person to buy this thing. So I was, I was, I'm just so happy about it. And the other reason I'm happy is because I immediately bought a motorbike and that's on the way too. So... So, yeah. So, I mean, that's busy, guys. All right. I don't know if you've ever um, gone through everything that I just said, but I guess there's an emotional busyness, business, emotional business to deal with as well. And I've been busy with emotional business. Okay, that's actually a way more, I reckon. Maybe that's what I'll say from now on. That feels like a more authentic explanation for being shithouse with your communication and being three weeks late with your podcast, basically. Sorry guys, I've been so busy with emotional business. Oh yeah. What sort of emotional business you've been dealing with? Oh, um, oh, I didn't actually expect you to ask. Uh, uh um, fuck, where do I start? Presentate. <laughs> Presentate amazing. Okay. So let's go back to Gordon Ramsay because seriously, okay. What we're going to do is I'm going to play this clip of Gordon that I found because the reality is I'll be so honest about this. Are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> I think I've watched Gordon Ramsay every single night for the last 36 days. That's what I'm putting it at. And, and, and so we're like, we're tight now guys. We are, me and Gordon, we go back because there's something that I'm watching in him that I think is so much bigger than food and so much bigger than entertainment. It is a guy who just cannot accept that people don't care. And, and and I think that resonates in my gut a lot where that's maybe the most frustrating thing that I ever encounter in a person is someone who's not fired up about anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you like, even if it's the absolute opposite of what I like, but if you love it, I'm interested. I'm keen to hear about it. And and I love the fact that you love it, you know, but if someone's like, I don't know, I find it really hard to connect with people who don't froth out about something Even if it's throwing plastic in the sea, I'd prefer to talk to you because at least we can have a discussion about something rather than just someone who doesn't care about rubbish at all. So I think Gordon, like, and it's so personal for him because he's obviously there with a film crew and he would have chosen that restaurant out of a million. And then he's confronted with someone who just doesn't give a shit and it just blows his lid straight away. And I think it's really cathartic. This is what I mentioned last time we talked is that somehow he calms me down, which I don't understand. Like I really, I don't, un- well, I didn't, but I'm starting to. And I think it's because he gets to do what I dream of doing sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not like, I'm not bottling this stuff up. <laughs> and I'm not doing a good job of convincing you of that either. But, but the way that Gordon, like imagine standing face to face with someone and going, fuck you, you're a coward. <laughs> like doing whatever. It would, that, like People full tilt screaming at each other is nuts how often you never see that and when you do it's so extreme which is a a testament to how good life is here in Sydney Australia and i guess like most places where we've learned how to talk to each other but b Gordon's doing that on behalf of all of us and 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 there's no one and there's no one better so anyway so what we're going to do here to try and basically i guess substantiate what I'm saying to myself in the future when I look back and wonder why I went to sleep with Gordon Ramsay in my brain every single night. Um, hopefully the following will basically... Okay, so what we're going to listen to is a speech from Gordon to a typically delusional restaurant owner who just cannot hack being told he sucks. His restaurant sucks. Everything about it sucks. But hey, dude. Hey, fella. Hey, hey. Oi. he. Gordon Ramsay's here, man. (laughs) He only comes if you suck. (laughs) And still these people are like, I don't know what he's doing here. My fault's perfect. Okay, so, but what I listened to in this one bit of Gordon was I like shut my eyes and realized, holy shit, this is basically, could be Gordon talking to all of us about climate change, not food and sanitation and stuff. Anyway, we'll, we'll play it so you can hear what I'm talking about because it's just, it's absolute gold. No, I don't feel good there about it. There you go again. That's my opinion I don't opinion. feel good about it. You fucking do. It's what I gotta do. That's what I do. You're a fake. That's what, what fuck I do. You're a fake. You're a fucking fake. Oh, you're full of shit. Is that how you're gonna act? Walk away? You don't face <laughs> it like a fucking man? I face everything <laughs> like a man. I don't stay do. away from nothing. That's right. Nothing. Uh, uh, nothing. Not you. <laughs> nothing. Come on, bro. I have a commitment to this place that you'll probably never have to any place in your life. Imagine ever. telling what? that to Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Did I stutter? Oh! I just told you how I feel about this place. I'm not going to suck your dick to make you believe me. If you don't believe me, you don't believe me. You don't like the truth, Dean. No, one like the truth. No one's... A statement. Like, this is... It's just so good, obviously. All of it's so good. But imagine telling someone you don't like the truth. Someone this deep in denial, maybe because they're this deep in denial, he does it. But, like insane to just yell back at gordon ramsay i heard the truth of my life more than you'll ever hear the truth <laughs> of yeah that's what you think you take pride in your hair your trousers your shirt you you're, you're well oh, yes i just it's, want you to take pride in what the fuck you do in a business okay okay so this is guys now officially hey it's gordon talking to us we are on the receiving end of this crazy slightly buff very short fused sandy head british gent and he's screaming no he's not screaming anymore but he's talking to us in a very real way about climate change right now we've got some issues in here and unless you're prepared to change this place has got no chance and you've had it all your own fucking way for such a long time and it's not going to continue being like that one thing that has to change instantly you you chills right like chills man amazing what a speech and it's ad hoc he just comes out with it but couldn't that whole thing have just been about us human beings that's right me and you and your dad and 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 your dad's mother-in-law and that'd be your grandma and we've got our heads in the sand it's all of us and gordon's telling us to yank them out because we've got some issues in here and unless you're prepared to change Right, This place has got no chance. It's just like, I can't get enough Gordon Ramsay. Is that clear? (laughs) Have you written that down yet? (laughs) But it's like, there's so much of this just buried in all of these highlight videos that I circulate through on YouTube and occasionally stumble on a full episode. And in those full episodes, actually, this is how I figured out what Gordon Ramsay's biggest thing is, which he just like, he can't stand that people don't care. He cannot stand it. He's like, look at this opportunity you have. Aside from the opportunity of being a chef and influencing people positively through your food, or aside from the opportunity of running a business or getting help for it to make it better. It's the opportunity of having the best chef in the world and a bunch of TV cameras come in to help and to give you an insane amount of exposure. And still these people are like, fuck you. I'm not going to suck your dick just to make you believe me. (laughs) Imagine saying that. That's on par with full tilt yelling at somebody, talking to someone like that. It's so rude. But people, isn't it crazy? People are out there talking to each other like that. I'm not going to suck your dick to make you believe me. It's just unbelievable. Gordon's just... So in these programs, aside from this come to Jesus experience that I'm having of motivational speaking relevant to climate change, not nice food, it's also so entertaining to hear what you heard at the beginning of this episode, right? And to learn amazing words like... Presentate. (laughs) Presentate. That, that opening clip is so rich, where it starts off with that crazy guy, an hour into dinner service, and the unref- early embellished dishes are making their way from the kitchen. blah, 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 over to this character, this woman, who looked like... How many cigarettes do you think this woman smoked in the 15 minutes before they filmed this? Listen to her voice. It's just like, it's... Kitchen. Mike <laughs> tries to presentate the food real nice what's this crack here? unbelievable she looks exactly how you think she looks by the way <laughs> mike tries to presentate the food real nice lucky roland shit impressions not much else <laughs> what's this crack here with the calamari and the martini glass He's so ruthless. He just says... That's the other thing that I love so much about Gordon Ramsay and think we could all learn a bit from is he's borderline autistic in how he just says the first thing that comes into his head. And I admire it so much in the same way that I admire autistic people for that quality. So much. And I envy it. I don't know if you've seen Love on the Spectrum. It's another reality show. Sorry. It's a docu-soap. Actually, that's so reductive to call Love on the Spectrum a reality show. It's a serious, like documentary into the love lives of people with autism and Asperger's. But one thing that about all, all of these people in this show that I just fell in love with and really admired and tried to, I guess, emulate myself is they're so honest. They're so honest. And they say the first thing that comes into their head. So does Gordon Ramsay, And he's just like instantly when it hits the table, Oh, disgusting. Oh, so dull. Amazing amazing and he just gets on a roll and and does all the flirting with all the waitresses and the waiters by the way i mean that's flirting gordon's no homophobe and i don't you don't need me to tell you that neither does he but the flirting is like can you take this back to the kitchen and ask the chef to try this please thank you darling always darling always darling which i feel is like borderline you get arrested for calling someone darling in a university these days surely but Gordon's like, no one questions it because it's just, he knows, he knows it's not anything to do with the waitstaff because he's so tuned in to what hospitality is. Where if you're putting a plate on a table, like you don't need to have been a waiter to know how unfair it is to chew out some waitstaff about dish they didn't cook. And Gordon knows that. (laughs) So he's always so nice to them, even though they're the ones on the receiving end of, oh, oh, it's so greasy. Oh, it's dry. It's like a mouthful of sand. (laughs) And they're all smirking because they fucking know. And they're just like, yes, finally, someone is going to talk to my boss the way I've been dreaming of talking to them for the last two years of this place going down the toilet. It's it's such a good good vibe and they both know it. And it's, I just love it. One word for this, meow. It's like cat food. (laughs) Imagine being, actually, now I think about it. Imagine being an African during a famine like a really or just like anyone starving right in a developing country and then seeing gordon ramsay get served up plates of food pick it apart with his fingers yell at somebody and then scrape it straight in the bin how hardcore is that (laughs) is gordon ramsay's food footprint his responsibility if he's deeming it inedible wow, wow, okay, someone's got to have an answer for this out there somewhere. And if it's you, Future Rolls, well, upload it to the cloud through the, you know, tap your earlobe and do the thing and get it up there because the world needs to know whether Gordon Ramsay is responsible for his food footprint because that's a crazy question. Why did I ask myself that? Because now that's going to be in my head every time I look at it. But because like sometimes, guys, he pulls food out of the fridge that's covered in mold, Right, and and or it's just off things that have like curdled, or I don't know things that are like there's genuinely inedible things, and he's doing it in the pursuit of improving a. Like I'm going to stick up for Gordon here, as Gordon's defence, as defence for Mr. Ramsey, I'd like the court to take note that Chef Ramsey is all all he's trying to do is actually improve the operations of a commercial kitchen to improve both the quality and the consistency of the food service and within the word consistency is embedded waste and if we think about chef ramsey's attempt to therefore reduce the waste of commercial kitchens that are currently oh my god sometimes wasting like 30 kilos of random pieces of animal that they've just thrown on the floor of a walk-in fridge and he comes in and he just like this happened and he just goes like it literally just like starts retching Because he's just eaten it. How fucked would that be if you were like, you'd almost prefer not to know, eh? If you had eaten something rank, you'd almost take your chances that your immunity is going to just deal with it rather than actually see how disgusting this thing is. But I don't know. Anyway, it's like these people are so inept that it is breathtaking. And I don't think that their ineptitude is Gordon's responsibility. But I'm interested to actually discuss that. If anyone's out there that's interested in just doing like a short, maybe five or six hour podcast about this with me, um, hit me up. I'm here. I got two microphones. We can have a chat and it'll be real nice. So hit me up. I think I've probably run my mouth enough about Gordon Ramsay. That's just, but you, you get it, right? You get it. (laughs) You so get it by now. I know you're going to go off tonight and look up some Gordon Ramsay highlights and just seriously do it because like looking at that, that man's career, it's, it's, it's nothing short of the work of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. So disrespectful. Didn't mean, didn't mean to disrespect anybody, but I genuinely think, think about what he's doing. He's literally doing like morally, wherever you stand, he's doing the Lord's work. He's trying to engage people. He's trying to connect with people and get them to connect with their lives and their opportunities and have gratitude and all these amazing things that are in whatever Bible you choose to live by. And therefore, I actually think, I think it's probably time to stop equivocating, Gordon. Ramsey to Jesus Christ and move on. I don't really have much to talk about, eh? Like I haven't been here for three weeks and I've still like. I mean, that's pretty much, I guess, a self congratulation right there, assuming that I do have things worth talking about um, in previous times. But we're here for me, aren't we? Not you. So that's just been lucky for both of us. Now, I am kind of here for you actually, because you, what you what you do actually, and you don't. You know who you are. I don't know who you are. But you know who you are and you guys keep me honest. And and the only you guys that I know it is, is all the future me's uh, at every stage of life, I suppose, in the future, looking back or listening back or whatever. But I guess there must be other you's out there. And whoever you's are, you's are keeping me honest because I sit down here and just run my mouth and it is like it's therapy at this stage. So, so, so cool. <laughs> Sweet as I'm going to move on. To the final, the I guess the final. I got one thing written down here to talk about. The one thing I wanted to talk about, which is the next iteration. I was gonna say this week's feature, but I guess I haven't been doing them weekly. So, and I'm gonna keep doing them whenever I want. Okay, which will hopefully be weekly. Um, <laughs> but this this week, this episode's feature of dumb shit is the following dumb shit: single use coffee cups sitting in a cafe. What? (laughs) Well, I cannot tell you how much sleep I've lost lying in bed. Seriously, looking at the ceiling, thinking, trying to calculate it's, I guess it's a really fucked up version of counting sheep in 2021, but trying to calculate how many single use cups I've given out in 11 and a half years of making coffee. And It is such a sobering thought to feel complicit. We've talked about complicitousness. I still don't know what the, I think it's complicity, I guess. We've talked about being complicit in each other's stuff, you and I. We've talked about this all the time because that's all climate change is. It is all of us being guilty, okay? Yes, hand up. Yes, I did. I fucked up really badly, but I'm sticking my hand up as high as I can so that I can get on top of making it better. Yeah. So, so anyway, so single-use coffee cups. Just like it's so hard every single day as a barista to get look somebody in the eye who specifically says, "Oh, I'm going to sit down, but I'll have it in a takeaway cup." And 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 you're in hospitality, right? And it's like hospitality is making somebody feel good, giving them a good product, a good experience. I don't need to explain that, (laughs) but I hopefully it's therefore obvious what a head th- that is to as as someone very passionate about the environment to be complicit in in someone else's environmental crime to that level and then have that person have the audacity to walk up and say oh hey mate you got a bin <laughs> that, that I cannot explain what a Bri- what a, a Brian melt that is I just had a typo in my own mouth. <laughs> you know, when you type Brian instead of brain because you're always using the word brain in text messages or something. What the fuck, Ross? <laughs> but it is such a Brian melt to have somebody do that to you and, and need to smile and go, yep, of course. Thank you. I love you. Pay me some money, please. <laughs> it's just messed up. And, and I guess I've been noticing a lot. I guess I've been noticing it a lot recently and it's just, it's so distressing. And that's why it's this week's feature of calling out dumb shit because I'm sure I've done it. I'm sure I've been a four-year-old getting bought a baby Chino, right? And I'm sure I've been a dickhead 17-year-old sitting in a coffee shop, goo-goo-eyed over some chick trying to just like keep myself together, (laughs) much less think about the drink I'm drinking, let alone what I'm drinking it out of. I'm sure I've done it, but but. Being on this side of it and distributing it, it's just, it's so, I just can't, like, I remember way back in the day, because I've got this thing that I do, I make sure I always offer, whether it's dine in or have here. I try and never assume that it is takeaway. <laughs> dine in or have here. Nice. Been been too long since I've done this and also been doing it too long, um, doing today that is. Um, but I always ask, do you want to take away or dine in? And when people are um and are, ah, oh, you should see me. I'm straight in that window. My foot is in that door so firmly. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you have here? I'll make them look real nice. You know, I'll bring them over to you. Give, you always want some water? Oh, yeah. You want a menu? Like, just like, I'm there. I'm so there. And because there's that, this golden window of flip-flop between, are we going to chuck stuff in the land? Hey, are we going to chuck stuff in the land? Are we going to fill the land? You and me? <laughs> It's not like I don't care about the coffees that I'm making in single use cups because that is a true waste and something that Gordon Ramsay would disapprove of. But I pour so much extra love into keep cups and into dine ins. And you can taste that shit, all right? I've been doing it for so long. I'm obviously a scientist. You can taste it. You can taste it 1000%, which is a real percentage as well. I'm a scientist. Real nice. So I'm in that window and I am desperate to convince people to have here, such that when they're umming and ahhing, I'll even throw in sometimes, I'll be like, have here, hey, and save on the rubbish. And I just do that. Because like, that's how I feel like that's how direct the language around this needs to be. Because that's how basic the problem is. And there's no time anymore. There's no time for language less direct than just calling it out for what it is hey, we'll save on rubbish. We need to be doing this all the time. Every day we need to be thinking, how can I make less rubbish? And right now you're contemplating making more of it. So I'm here to help, let's make less rubbish. And I literally say it and it works. A lot of the time it works. But I'll never forget this one guy at my last job who was like, who was like nah, mate, I'll just, I'll just have you, I'll save you the washing up. Because you hear that every now and then as well. These people who are just so into their habit that they just cannot fathom any suggestion away from it. And, well, I mean, I, I'm a man of habit as well. I'm a creature of ritual and I love every ritual that I have, including my rituals with coffee. This guy says the says the thing, I'll save you the washing up, we'll just fill the land up instead, you and I. And, and I said, oh, are you sure? And, and so I was in this window with this guy basically, right? So he's, he's thinking, he's engaging me at the very least and I'm going to go hard in this micro window that I have to try not to put one more of these things out there. So I said it all. I was like, why don't you just have here and I'll make it look nice for you. I'll do the pattern thing on top and we'll save on the rubbish too. And he looks at me and he's like, I'm 73 years old, mate. <laughs> no, sorry. He was like, I'm 73 years old, mate. I don't care about rubbish. No, he said, I don't, he didn't say I don't care, but he said, like, he, what did he say? He's like, I'm 73, I don't, I don't mind about the rubbish. It was something so super nonchalant. It wasn't like a declaration or anything. It was just like, nah, I'm 70, I don't, I'm old, I don't care, I'm not gonna be here, it's not my problem. And I don't accept that as a point of view, but I accept that it exists in a lot of people, specifically lots of old white men. And so I was, I don't know, I did it and I just gave him his takeaway, whatever, dealt with it. And I just thought to myself while I was making that coffee, I remember doing this so distinctly, um, trying really hard to rationalize for this guy, thinking, I respect old people. This guy has lived a life I've got no idea about. How can I forgive him for this thing that distresses me so much? And so I thought to myself, wow, well, maybe he's a guy who might've, Served his country. He might be a retired, unbelievable orthopedic surgeon. He might have done any number of things and he might have had no kids out of conscious objection to overpopulation to basically pacify his own fears of his own footprint and just let himself, well, if I'm not going to have kids, I don't have to care about rubbish. And I was trying so hard to be like, how how can I forgive this guy basically? And then sure enough, he comes back and, and gives does the whole like, hey mate, you got a bin? <laughs> and, and my heart breaks into a thousand pieces. And, and I said, yeah, of course, man. Here, chuck it over. And then he s- starts telling me about his grandkids. <laughs> starts telling me about his grandkids. And at that point, I, like, I just, I don't know. It just like, I think it, I got so triggered. And when this happens, I go so loopy for the rest of the day. It's literally like breaking the robot. And it seems to happen at least once a week where something happens at work and I just go so loopy for the rest of the day. And that was the this that was this time and it's this kind of thing that does it. So I guess I'm not sure why I'm putting that out there because I feel a little bit vulnerable now that I have knowing that hopefully if you're listening to this you're not in in the business of just coming out to fuck with me (laughs) but if you really wanted to that's how you could do it just have a have a dine-in coffee in a takeaway cup and then ask me to throw it out and gone he's gone he's not coming back not today hopefully tomorrow but not definitely (laughs) so please don't but that's that's what does it and i just want to be gordon guys in that situation i want to look at him and go why don't you care (laughs) you don't like the truth (laughs) I just want to say that stuff. And so that's, that's, that's where, that's where we're at. Do you know what I'm saying? Mike tries to presentate the food real nice. What's this crack here with the calamari and the martini glass? What's this crack here with the takeaway cup and the sit down and the, and the, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> I just wanted to be gawded so badly. He looks... What an amazing specimen. You know what about the Takeaway Cup thing, though, is I actually have, since that really traumatic experience, that particular triggering moment that I just told you about, I have actually figured it out. I figured it out. This I, I am a scientist. Actually, what did we... Didn't we establish in the last episode that I'm science? I think we did. But anyway, here's my science for today. The science is... I wish I had a single word (laughs) to follow that up. And I definitely don't. But what I figured out is why people love single-use coffee cups so much. And here it is. What I think it is, is actually something that I love. Which is why I'm actually going to throw this out there and hopefully get some feedback for it. Because... It's, it's I'm going round in circles in it, but I'm glad to have figured it out. But I think that the single-use coffee cup, the specifically the single-wall, paper and plastic-bonded, whatever, takeaway coffee cup that is just ubiquitous, we all know what it is, I think the deal with that is it's actually um, an instrument of mindfulness. Gen- genuinely, I think it is. Because think about the person... Okay, so those things are everywhere right? Those things are absolutely everywhere and they are the exact same everywhere. Think about your own coffee ritual. And if you're like me, you've got heaps and they're all magical and you need to do them all the same way every single time. No, I mean like, it's, it's, it's a mindfulness activity for me, making coffee. I love everything about it. It is tactile. It demands so much of my senses. And the same goes for drinking it, as well as making it, where you drink your coffee and it is this beautiful ritual to engage you with your consumption, engage you with the world around you. And so, subconsciously, I think these people are engaging with the single-use coffee cup as a really important vehicle for all of these very tangible, very measurable aspects of their coffee consumption. So you think about holding one of those things. You have such a good dial on how much is left, what the temperature of it is, what the flavor of it is, the the dimensions when you go to sip so that you can switch off to basically every conscious thought and let your mind drift. I don't know. It's just like it's letting your mind drift through this ritual while you're doing the same thing that you've done yesterday and every single day before that since you were however old you were when you started. And therefore, I'm finding it like, I'm excited to have figured this out because I think that's why people insist on drinking them when they dine in and do that dumb shit that we just talked about. Some of the dumbest shit that we'll ever talk about. God, it's rolls. (laughs) I think that's why people love it so much because it's just this really critical part of their whole routine. And so the question of changing that is is it's not not just changing one small thing of a random activity. It's changing a massive part of a daily ritual. And that's such an intimidating thing to do as some pathetic human being in 2021 who hates change, which I am and which you are, and we all are. And that's what we try and do is get better at it. And, and so I think that's, I think that's why these people insist on it. So like, I'm, I'm boggled by that. I don't know where to go from there because that is appealing. The, co- the single use coffee cup is appealing to these people in, in the way that coffee appeals to me and I respect it and I love it. And I would feel so affronted as well if someone suggested I radically change one of my rituals that seemingly has nothing to do with them. But I guess that's where the difference is, is that, Hey fella, that rubbish cup, that rubbish cup, that's what we should just start calling him. You want to have here or in a rubbish cup? (laughs) Um, That, that rubbish cup affects everyone. It doesn't just affect you, even though you chuck it in that bin and that bin is just this portal of responsibility where you can just forget about that bloody thing forever. And not think about it breaking down and toxifying the environment away from where you live. But it's just getting, I think what we got to do is get these people's heads around the circularity of it all. Where it all does add up. And if you've got kids and grandkids, like, what is going on to not care about climate change when you've got skin in the game like that? I'm not a parent, so I can't know that. But I already feel it on behalf of children in the future generation that are so distantly no sorry not related to me at all that i already already feel that sense of responsibility just from being alive so i'm so bewildered by people that manage to compartmentalize their cognition just so so fastidiously to the the walls around them that they can touch and that they're responsible for. And I admire it in this one respect of, wow, you've got your shit together in one way because you know what you like, you're doing your rituals, you're engaging with yourself. But on the other hand, it's such a disengaging thing to do. It is this sticking your head in the sand, very willful disconnection with reality and the reality being the infinite connectedness of it all. So, if you've got if you've got any suggestions now that you and I we scientists have figured this out um I'd really like to know what we can do about it <laughs> where to from here because it's still hospitality that's the other complete like basket case variable in this whole situation is you, you can't you, we don't we baristas and wait staff, you don't just accept it. You have to congratulate it with with niceties <laughs> and general platitudes about the weather. And, oh, yeah, unseasonal rainfall. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It seems like way more than should have fallen in such a short time. And, yeah, yeah, the beach is still so polluted, isn't it? Yeah, wow. And um, still in the takeaway? Yeah, okay, cool. No worries. Yep. Um, Yeah, like, I think I'm done. Oh, my God. I feel like a deflated beaches balloon. But I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> Thank you for forgiving me for being so busy. You wouldn't believe how busy I've been, and not talking to you for three weeks. But um, but you listened, and that was awesome. You just hit play again, and like, how crazy is that? You're a you're fucking awesome. <laughs> Actually, you know what? To finish, to finish, maybe not to finish, because I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk about it afterwards. But one more time. We've got some issues in here, and unless you're prepared to change this place has got no chance and you've had it all your own fucking way for such a long time and it's not going to continue being like that one thing that has to change instantly you fuck you i'm not here to suck your dick (laughs) yes way to ruin the end of the fucking podcast rose yes uh Thank you for listening. Amazing, and 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 I really regret that, but don't regret thanking you for listening because that's cool of you. And I'll try and be better behaved next time. Cool. Talk to you then.